0: Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show, episode 265. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our spoiler review of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, episode six, Just Jen, directed by Anu Valia, written by Kara Brown. This series was created for television by Jessica Gao, and She-Hulk, Attorney at Law is a Kevin Feige production. Before our spoiler review begins, wanna let you know about Fan Show Plus. That is where you can hear us talk about extra MCU subjects like... Writers for Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, and Fantastic Four, and other MCU stuff that comes up throughout the week. And that podcast, Fan Show Plus, is exclusive to premium subscribers at slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. If you search for the MCU Fan Show channel or just Fan Show Plus, you can find it there and subscribe. And then make sure you're following us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much to everyone who has already taken the time to leave their review. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman?
1: I am doing very, very well. Uh, Just uh a been blessed with tons of content to watch between She-Hulk, Rings of Power, and/or it's crazy. It's just you know they dropped three episodes. We talked before the show about finding time to watch all this, and I gotta tell you, buddies of mine, we all watched like all the Andor and Rings of Power at once, and it was a, it was a late night. I'm like, dang, dude, I, I don't know how many times I can do this. I, I I'm actually so thankful they, we, we, they release only one episode a week, cause good lord.
0: Yeah, it's a good problem to have when there's so much that you want to watch. And uh, I know for for me this week, yeah, just carving out the time for three episodes of Andor. How dare they give me three episodes of Star Wars in the same week? But I do prefer the one-a-week schedule, though. I'm okay with it for the start of a season if they drop extra episodes. We've talked about that on various Marvel series where it might have helped them to release uh, Moon Knight was an example this year where we felt like, Maybe if they had released more than one episode, it could have been helpful. And that's where I just like the series. Every series is different. Every episode is different. And you just go with the right approach for that series or that episode. So if you have enough going on in the first episode uh, that gives, you know, that's going to really hook the audience, then just drop that one. But if you need uh, a little something extra like Moon Knight, it wasn't so much that the first episode doesn't have a hook. It does. But a little extra information to help kind of the audience, I don't know, get their feet under them for the series uh, could have been helpful. Not that Moon Knight ended up being unpopular. People really liked it. So in the end, I think it all works out. Um, but that's not a, this isn't about Moon Knight or Andor. This is about She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And we are now, having seen this episode, two-thirds of the way uh, through this series, So this is kind of our uh, closing act two moment, although that's not really what this episode felt like. It looks like maybe that would happen next week because, you know, end of act two, things got to go bad for our hero and things didn't go that bad for Jen in this episode, although not everything was great either. uh, And we will talk about it because this is, as she describes, a self-contained wedding episode because we open with Jen getting a bright a completely extra uh, bridesmaid invitation and then Nikki is over helping her get ready for the wedding which is on a Thursday and they make fun of the idea that this wedding is on a Thursday the entire reason why this wedding is on a Thursday though I think it's just for the A and B story to connect that Jen can be at the wedding while Nikki and Mallory are at work because they would be at work on a weekday so although it could have been a Friday wedding they could have gone that route but anyway Thursday wedding for Jen Nikki teases the super suit from Luke that we saw Jen get last week, although we still haven't actually seen the suit, and we're not going to see it in this episode. We do see a new dress that Luke made for Jen to wear to the wedding, uh, and that's about it. Uh, And that's our setup for the episode. Oh, and Nikki is going to be working with Mallory on a divorce case that we will later learn involves Craig Hollis, aka Mr. Immortal. So we're going to do it a little bit differently this week. Instead of going scene by scene, uh, we will talk about the A story of the wedding first, and then we will talk about the B story of Nikki and Mallory and the case of Mr. Immortal uh, later on in the show. And then we will bring it to where those two plots end up connecting at the end of the episode. But uh, let's focus on the A story first, Paul. Um, Well, actually, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Overall... Paul, what did you think of this episode? I liked it. It might be my uh, this sounds bad. Uh, it might be my least favorite A story. Although I liked it, I enjoyed it, but it had the best B story. So as we've moved more solidly into this television format of you know the half hour comedy of our A plot and our B plot, one of the things where we've been a little more critical is the B plot. I don't feel that way this week. I thought Nikki and Mallory in the case of Mr. Immortal, which we'll talk about in more detail later, I thought that was really strong. I thought that was a lot of fun. The wedding episode, it was all very entertaining. It just didn't feel to be quite as much of consequence. But they also called that out. Like She called that uh, Jen, played, of course, perfectly by Tatiana Maslany, as she has been doing every single week. She calls it out when she says like, if it seems like an inconvenient time in the season to have a wedding episode, uh, that's right. But that's because weddings are always inconvenient. So solid joke, totally fair. Yeah, Um, And it was entertaining. And I do think it kind of moves the ball forward in ways that we don't quite get to see just yet. So I think when we look back on this episode, we'll see Mm -hmm. that it it kind of meant more than it may initially seem. So I was having a lot of fun with it. I just didn't have... um, Thematically, like it just didn't feel like it was quite as strong as some of the other episodes, and um, that was that was kind of my main thing with it. It, it just felt like light fun, which is fine. I, I like that. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that one of the things these TV series in general, and and one thing I've kind of have to get me personally, I have gotten to try to get used to more of, is the fact that these shows aren't the films in a sense to where every episode is is so jaw-dropping like we got to keep pushing the whole narrative of the mcu forward Mm -hmm. and i think it's no better example of that that it's not the case with these tv shows and and they had to get kind of used to that a little bit is with she-hulk and like a miss marvel um and i think moon Knight to a lesser extent was kind of like the more the realization of like oh like these are very much self-contained in their own like worlds because if you look back, you know, as I kind of thought about this a little bit, look back to like WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier and Loki, they are kind of they are kind of bigger TV series. Right. I, I, it's almost I almost think maybe if you would have sprinkled them a little bit differently, like if you would have put Miss Marvel first and then a Wanda, you know, not like you know what I mean? Like maybe, I know timeline wise, maybe it doesn't always make sense. But just from like, I think from my a, a, a expectation um, uh, idea, Sean, that maybe people just would be more accepting of these shows like Ms. Marvel uh, and, and She-Hulk of just far, the fact that they are gonna be pushing this whole huge narrative forward. And I think that's one of the things I actually like about Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk so much that I can just enjoy it, it as like you said. like it, I don't have to have like moving ma- major storylines in the MCU to, ha- to enjoy these TV series. I love these characters in this and these and this universe because it's a fun universe. And I think shows like Miss Marvel and She-Hulk have done a great job of showing you the versatility of the storytelling you can have. Now, I say all that to say I, I like like you. I enjoyed this episode. I didn't like, oh my gosh, I wasn't loving it. I wasn't, I I, I, I by far did not dislike it by any means. I just enjoyed it. And I think that's the one thing that I think most people have to, you know, and maybe people would be saying, you know, you have to, you know, Marvel should do better. Should always aim? I don't know. But for me, I don't have to love, absolutely just love everything 100% to enjoy it. It was an enjoyable episode. It was not perfect. I thought it was a little clunky at times. And I think that's like it probably I think it sounds like you're kind of with me on that one. It just seems like it's a little, it's a little all over the place. It didn't seem the, it didn't flow the best. Kind of right. like episode three wasn't my favorite episode. Um, I like this better than episode three overall, to be honest. Um, but at the same, because I think it was really entertaining, so it was funny. Because I, I thought it was the. To be honest, I think the performances out outdid the script and the pacing. More than anything, and I think that's why I, I enjoyed it. I love Titania, I love She Hulk, and you know, I love all you know, lo- of all the characters. So I, I enjoyed the episode beca- based on that alone, so I think that to me is where this episode probably gets the big the biggest uh, help from is the the overall like uh, the the acting and the performances are so good. So yeah, I enjoyed this episode. It wasn't I mean, mind blowing. I, I like you, and I think even episode three to an extent. There, there are things in this episode that are will probably be, will help it once the series is over. And maybe it won't, but it, it, it definitely—well, um, actually, at the end of the episode, I, I definitely— Yeah, the over.
0: end of the episode definitely brings it into the larger yeah. narrative of the series. And you knew it had to come up, because the previously on was totally focused on the, the recap of, remember when Hulk said that uh, it'd be really bad if somebody got any of Jen's blood? And then remember when— they tried to get some of Jen's blood, so they remind you of all of that, and then I it, skip recaps. And then it doesn't come up throughout the, the rest of the episode until the very end, and, and we see that the the plan is uh, the same plan with a bigger needle. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it. Yeah. So I, I I liked it in that sense, and I'm okay with it. Not it doesn't it can be a self-contained wedding episode. I'm not against that as a concept, and I'm fine with single episodes just being entertaining, mostly one-offs that still kind of tie into some of the larger themes of the episode of of the series and, you know, move, get, get tied back into the plot, maybe more toward the end of the episode. All of that I'm fine with, and I don't have any conceptual issue with that whatsoever. And that's not really what knocked this episode for me. Because to me, the way I look at something like this, it's just like when you get a single issue of a comic book, that if you're reading a She-Hulk series and you get an issue that isn't necessarily diving as deep into the ongoing story arc that you've been following. And that happens in comic books all the time, where maybe not as much anymore because now they write for the trades, but (laughs) growing up uh, reading comics as a kid, like you would see that stuff all the time, where now your hero was deeply entrenched in this other thing, and oh, they're going to go off and have this other adventure. And look, it does fit into some of the larger plotting like obviously absolutely it furthers the she hulk titania rivalry and it certainly sets up what we've been talking about like titania has to get an upgrade not in terms of performance because jamila jamil is killing it every time that she is uh every moment that she's on screen as this character but uh we've seen now two fights where once it's She-Hulk versus Titania. Titania is no match for She-Hulk whatsoever. And that's not necessarily, I don't think that's always going to be the case. I think that Titania is going to make a comeback uh, and she will probably get a boost from Intelligentsia that we will be talking about uh, later on in this uh, this spoiler review. So uh, for the wedding itself, I think maybe what it wasn't so much the the self-contained nature of it. I think if there was anything that kind of dragged this down for me is it felt like just very familiar wedding things, like here's Jen as the bridesmaid that people don't actually like, and uh, even though they totally should, because she's awesome. And uh, it, it's also just the similar thing of, okay, well, Jen is showing up. She doesn't have a plus one. And even if she did, she wouldn't have somebody she's dating to actually take with her and, you know, being seen as, you know, incomplete or not as successful because she's not in a relationship, which, by the way, I know is still a thing that happens, and especially in in particular to women, Um, and so I understand why that that comes up in a story like this, and I'm not saying it doesn't have value. It does, and it's relatable in, in many ways, and all of that is good. Also, at the same time, though, it's just a lot of stuff that we've seen in a bunch of things, and I didn't necessarily feel like they did a lot of different things with it to bring it back into this series. But again, it was still fun and entertaining, uh, especially the way they started it out. Like, And this was the one of the, there are a couple key moments here that do make it work really well for me though. And, and one of those is the, the opening. Here is Jen celebrating being She-Hulk, right? Like she has resisted it all this time. And then it really came to a head last week when the name was challenged. Titania was the one who was going to claim it and prevent Jen from using it. Well, she won the right to keep that as her name. And now she's embracing that as her identity. Like she's invited to this wedding. She wants to go as She-Hulk. And she wants to go uh, looking like or or feeling like everything that she has been going through as She-Hulk. Like all of that is part of her success now. It's all part of her story. It's part of who she is, and she wants to embrace that. She got a dress to wear as She-Hulk, and she shows up. She's all smiles. She's ready to be there, ready to be present, ready to be uh, embraced and accepted as She-Hulk, and then she's not, right? A lot of the other bridesmaids, they're totally up for it, but the bride, Lulu, played by Patty Harrison who I really liked as Bangles in the HBO Max series Made for Love, and she was great here as the Bridezilla or whatever you would call her, Lulu. Uh, Very um, unkind character, Lulu. But anyway, uh, I thought she was great in in this episode, but she does not want She-Hulk at her wedding because she doesn't want to be upstaged. So this series morphs from She-Hulk Attorney at Law to Just Jen uh, Attorney at Law. But all of this stuff, Paul, this initial setup for the wedding... I liked a lot of the stuff, even though, I, like I said, I don't feel like they did a lot of brand new stuff with it. Um, what they did with it uh, with Jennifer Walters uh, as a character and this moment in particular of her actually wanting to embrace that side of herself instead of pushing it away and denying it, that was an important step for the character. So there was some meaningful stuff happening in addition to the silliness and fun.
1: Yeah, I, I think that to me this was... Um, a good way to see kind of Jen's other side. And I, again, what we talked about last episode where, you know, the, I think the crux obviously of the story is, you know, accepting oneself and where, where does one person, you know, your, she, Hulk and Jen, you know, begin and end. And are they the same person? And I think you're really, they're, they've done a good job of really challenging. I think, uh, Jen as a character, um, to really kind of grips in some ways. Like you, you, last week we had, a focus on the She-Hulk character. This week's a focus on the Jen character, okay? So, like, as far as, you know, what does that mean? Like, you had other people who say, well, you are the same person, you are a She-Hulk, and then you, you have come here, and it's like, I don't want to be upstaged by She-Hulk, it has to be Jen. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It. I think it, it, your, Jen is so not comfortable with, with how to, to process everything, and this is a great example of 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 her struggling and trying to figure out that, again, that balance we talked about. Um, And so, I, I, this is where, again, I liked where they're going with it. I do think this is where it gets kind of clunky. Is it kind of falls into those tropes of of wedding and like mm-hmm. the Zoa and all that stuff, and that that can get old after a while. And I think that's where I think maybe some of my problems are. It feels very, and I'm not trying to like be super critical on this because I, I I understand that. Sometimes you have to use the tired tropes to get to like where you want as a character, especially when you're, it's kind of, you're calling yourself out on purpose, you, the whole, the wedding episode kind of, or the wedding story, if you will. Um, all that being said, I do think the writing was a little bit, or not even the writing, it's a pacing of the writing what this is where it gets clunky. We have like the, the the bridesmaids be like, "Oh, Jen, you can just do all this." I'm like, let's be real. If she was She-Hulk, and they would not be like, "Oh, Jen, you get to clean up the crap duty later on." You know, it's like no, like, like, like it's She-Hulk. She, you know, they're not. I'd be a, if I if I was a groomsman, and I had like a Hulk character that that was like depowered the whole time, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, you're on crap duty." Like, I would be the last person I'd be given that to. Right? I mean, it's just for me. I just kind of. It just seemed like it was it was a, trying a little too on the nose, I guess if you will, at times with the bridesmaids and everything. Like I liked the Lulu character, not because she's named for my daughter, but <laughs> uh, but yeah. I, I like the character because it, it, she is a bridezilla. There, She did. It felt like she, she has wasn't. a
0: great line when she tries to turn Jen into like Cinderella mode of like helping clean up at the wedding where she says half the event staff is quitting because of how I'm treating them. I thought it was great.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like there's I thought she was a fun character to have because I did because I, I, I was what I was worried about was. And this is how I'm invested in the show. I was worried that Jen was being invited just because she was She-Hulk. Like, oh, we're old friends, but I was waiting for that. But no, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, actually, she wants Jen to be there, not to be upstaged by She-Hulk. So it, you emphasize, also, clever way of saving money on CGI staff. Wink, wink. I get it. I mm-hmm. like it. Um, you know, but – I and I did like that aspect because she really did want Jen at there to be there and not just to have she hulk because it you know was her friend. So I did like that aspect of the wedding idea and having Jen be the focus, but the bridesmaids and all that stuff was like, okay, I'm getting a little get a little too on the nose guys. So I don't know that's my prime main criticism criticism of the episode was having them and, and that whole tired tropes of like the the wedding aspect was my not my favorite.
0: Yeah, I think it was just a little bit of a mixed bag for me where some of it just felt too familiar and yeah. but other parts still worked because the performances were so good. And I, I think that was really elevated. it. Like, I don't know, Jonathan the Groomsman as the dog was whatever. Although there's a great line in there where you just hear what I'm saying. We just had to resuscitate him this morning. Uh, that was <laughs> great. I, I actually like the dog. The dog yeah. thing was,
1: I thought it was pretty Well, funny. I like the, the dog because
0: I like dogs. So like that, that's totally what makes it work. But that's fair. That's fair. fair. yeah. And then I, I think as far as what was going on there, I mean, I, I don't think Lulu is, is great. Lulu is terrible. I mean, she was nice at the end when she was drunk and accepted uh, She-Hulk being there at her wedding. But I think a lot of that was just you know lulu wanted to take jen down a peg like didn't even really know her all that well just needed an extra set of hands as a bridesmaid but also don't fully be yourself minimize yourself in this setting so that that not that jen is minimized when she's jen but in terms of just not wanting to acknowledge any of her success or anything that's going on and just ignore all of that and just whatever she can do, whatever Lulu can do to reduce Jen and make it seem like Jen doesn't have anything going on. And then, yeah, just kind of use her. I mean, like I said, it was totally Cinderella mode. I mean, she's there on ironing duty as well from the other bridesmaids because the groomsmen got their shirts wrinkled playing video games because that's a real sport. I I just think all of that was, uh, I mean, it was funny and and it was definitely, you know, driving at, uh, and and it was challenging Jen in in sort of that way. Like, I, I think it's really more in the conversation that she has with uh, with Josh when she's talking to him because we have a meet cute for Jen, Jen and Josh, played by Trevor Salter, and when she's talking to him later on at the wedding and, and trying just talking about how she just wanted to be amazing today is what she says. She wanted to come to one wedding and be able to show that she was doing really well. And that's where I'll give this episode credit, is having that moment for her, because I I think we're we're still driving at this idea of self-acceptance and self-love for Jennifer Walters. And this was a key moment, right? Because there's another piece to this. So she denied the She-Hulk identity. She kept it at, at arm's length as much as she could. And then she learned to love and embrace that. I think the the trap that she's falling into is that by loving and embracing She-Hulk in this new side of her life, she's not necessarily recognizing at this moment how much she should love and embrace Jennifer Walters, just Jen. Like, that is what she needs. That is something she also needs to be able to do. Loving herself means loving Jen Walters. It means loving She-Hulk. It means loving all of them as the same great, wonderful person, regardless Of which body she's in regardless of whether uh, she is she hulking out or not like it doesn't really matter Uh, she's still the same person and she's amazing either way she needs to see herself as amazing either way and not be as concerned about other people seeing her uh, seeing her that same way and that's what she's preoccupied with in this wedding right she wanted other people to validate her feelings that things are going amazing she has an amazing career she is a superhero now she has all of these things But if she recognizes that, that's enough, that is enough. And if anybody else doesn't recognize that, that's on them, that's their problem. Um, Meanwhile, anybody who really has a genuine interest in Jennifer Walters and an unselfish interest in Jennifer Walters uh, would obviously be impressed by what she's doing. And that's not to say that the lesson here is, uh, don't worry about what other people think so much so that you can be a terrible person and and it doesn't matter. We know that Jennifer Walters isn't a terrible, terrible person. She's a good person, and she knows that. She's doing good things. She's helping people as a superhero, as a lawyer, as she had already been doing before she became a superhero. All of it for Jennifer Walters is, is great. Um, not to say that she's flawless and can't work on things. Obviously, she can, like, everybody, like everyone can, but she needs to be able to love all of herself, and that is obviously a struggle if she's worried so much about what a lot of people at a wedding are going to think, particularly the bride who is an old friend from high school who Jen's barely talked to in all of these years since high school. So that's an opinion that Jen doesn't necessarily need to value, um, but what she needs to do is move away from needing, wanting, or craving that validation. And that's part of her journey in this series, I I think a big part of it. And we saw the one side of it last week really came to a head with She-Hulk. Now it's the other side, uh, with Jen, with just Jen, and I, I think the way that it's coming together—that's where I think this episode excelled for me in, in that yeah. particular moment. It would have been great to focus a little bit more on that, like that conversation, you know, the drunk Jen conversation with Josh. I thought was really strong, but if there had been more stuff like that throughout the episode, I, I think it would have been even stronger for me.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I think that where that's where I, I I'm more forgiving of the, of this, I think this series and this episode is the themes and what they're, they're doing. I, I think the fact that last week it was a good focus on the she hulk character. This week's a good focus on the Jen character and the whole idea of seeking validation. It's, it's, it, it can be, I understand it's, it's human nature. And I think that's the, the one thing the show has done a good job of is showing people that validation and people needing that is it's very it's a human thing people we all want that to give us you know help makes us feel good i don't think it's a bad thing to want that but to to make that be what what you you need that validation to move on in your life and to have give yourself meaning that that is not the case and i think that's what jen is is realizing here that's a good point sean in that Again, that's why I think this show is a lot better than maybe even people can give it credit for because of the themes that I think that it's doing. And it's doing it in a very – both a serious and a very fun, funny way um, and approaching it for people to kind of get from um, – what's the word? They're trying to get comfortable with what with I think the themes and the ideas the show is doing. And I think that, that everyone struggles with validation. I mean, everyone has different struggles and I, for one can identify a little bit with that because I can understand, want validation from people sometimes. That's just, again, human nature. It's not an unhuman, a bad thing to want. Right. It's very, and it's it's very natural. It's,
0: yeah. And it's okay to want that. There are healthy ways to want that, exactly. right? Like you do mm, want right. to make sure it'd be nice to know that you're on the right track. It'd be nice to know that you're seeing because, you don't want to be on the other side of it either to the point where like you're just doing your own thing and you don't think you have to check in with or be responsible to anyone or or whatever. You don't want that either. You don't want to be blind to uh, everything. At the same time though, you don't want to need, you don't want to need it so much that if you don't get it, you have no other means of feeling valid. Like you need to be able to validate yourself. Like if you, and if you can make it, have an open, honest assessment of yourself, then that can also be enough. And and I think it, you know, the validation that comes externally can be in addition to, but it shouldn't be the sole thing that you are uh, dependent on. And, that, and you're totally right. Like, that's why it's a theme in this show. Like, it is a universal theme. It is something that people deal with all the time. Um, but I think the way they have distilled it in this series, I, I think is that's where I think it's particularly skillful in, in the writing. Um, but then, of course, also in the performances as well uh, with the way they, they brought it together. And, and I do think in this episode and, and that's why I mean, it's it's tiny little moments in this episode, but we can spend several minutes talking about them because that's where you get uh, that's where there's so much meaning in this. Yes, self-contained yeah. wedding episode with a lot of silly stuff and, a, you know, and a drunk fight and everything that we'll talk about with Titania in a moment. Um, But also, I think that's what I really like about this show, is even when it does all of this stuff that is so lighthearted and fun, and I love lighthearted and fun, it sneaks in these other things. And I think it did a better job of that or an even stronger job of that in episode four compared to episode five, which is maybe why I, or I'm sorry, in episode five compared to episode six, which is maybe why I responded a little more strongly to that one than this one. Um, but this one still has, uh, you know, it, it still has its emotional punches.
1: Yeah, th- there's there's lots of lighthearted stuff in it. and I, But again, there, this is it feels like episode three, which even looking at right now, not the B story that mind you, but the A story. Oh it feels good set up for, for things that we're maybe getting paid off eventually. And I think we're building that way. And this episode definitely is building us this up, up for the main overall story, but I think also just for Jenna. And that's, again, that's why I think it's, I'm more forgiving of this episode because it is pushing that narrative along and it did a decent job of it. And that's why I think I, and, it, and, and I say decent job, it's also pretty fun. It had some funny moments and it has some clever writing here or there as well. Um, so it, it, that's why I think for me, it's enjoyable because if it was just kind of a boring wedding episode, and had a few things here and there. It, I, again, the performances really enhance everything. So yeah, I, I like where this is going. I like the themes where it's going. So this is all, all, I'm all good from at, at this point with the, with the, uh, with the main a story.
0: Yeah. On that level, it really works for me. And then, you know, what also adds to it, as you mentioned, you know, Titania is back in this episode, and I know we've gone uh, a little bit out of order here, but even when she initially shows up, I thought that was so awesome, and Jamila Jamil just crushes it. I mean, some of this, um, you know, is reminiscent of uh, of the Good Place with just the condescension and dismissiveness, but it's just a totally different approach to it, and obviously a, a very different character here with Titania. And, you know, talking about she's there because she's dating a friend of the groom. I love when she, her backhanded compliment of, I love that, it, you know, I love that it looks like you're never making that much of an effort, or whatever it is she said to Jen uh, to knock her look for uh, for the wedding, because obviously she's wearing a dress that was fit for She-Hulk, not for just Jen. Uh, but uh, Titania was great. I mean, when she was battling, uh, or when she finally shows what she was there for, which everybody knew what she was there for, when... Uh, You know, because Jen's been drinking and dancing, but she's been doing it as just Jen, not She-Hulk. And while just Jen is enough, that doesn't hold up when you're drinking as much as Jen was, because we already know that She-Hulk has the benefit of being able to have a buzz, but all buzz, no barf. Jen gets the barf part of it, so when she goes outside to take care of that, that is when Titania attacks. And just that whole piece of it, like... Jen gets to throw out a why are you so obsessed with me to Titania, which I thought was great. And then when uh, <laughs> Titania is like, why won't you change? Like, you need to change the She-Hulk. Like, there's no fun just beating up Jen. And then when she tries to change the first time, but she's drunk, so she forgot how to do it, uh, I thought was great because that also kind of happens. Like, when it's something that you normally automatically do, if you actually think about how you do it, all of a sudden you struggle. So, I, you know, that that... Uh, that's a thing, and so it, it's really funny to see her kind of react that way, and then just like, oh, this is a reflex for me, and now to like just consciously do it, uh, it's a little bit harder. And also, you know, she's drunk, so it's a little bit tougher. But yeah. um, when we see her respond. Uh, it, it's great, like, the transition, especially the way they did the transition, which I kind of laughed at because it was totally... It's a money-saving thing, like, right? Like, they don't show the the She-Hulk transformation. Like, you see the initial one that, that doesn't... Where the skin turns green but then immediately fades. Like, we see that one, uh, the less expensive She-Hulk transformation. But the other <laughs> one, the way they did it, I thought was clever because it's like, okay, well, how do you spend, uh, how do you show this transformation without necessarily spending all the money it would take to do it and maybe save that for some of the other transformations you've already shown and and maybe will show in the series. Well, go ahead and use the drunken blurred vision. All of a sudden becomes clear. I thought that was smart. Uh, and I really liked it. And so then when we see that She-Hulk indeed is there and we get as DJ in Chachachetable Hulk calls out wedding fight Shout out to Ched, Nicholas Cirillo, in this episode. He was awesome. DJ in Hulk actually just totally cracked me up. Same thing with we got a wedding fight. Like, a wedding fight is a thing. Uh, well, wedding fights are a thing. Usually not like that, though, uh, as far as the battle between She-Hulk and Titania. But I thought the fight was really good, but it also did what it should do or what I think it's aiming toward for a, a Titania upgrade in terms of her power level. Because once Jen is She-Hulk, at that point, the fight is very easy for her, and she doesn't even have to strike the final blow. Titania does that to herself, slipping on the ice and ruining her veneers. Uh, And then Drunk Lulu is there and and embraces She-Hulk, and and everything is all good. Uh, But yeah, I I really like this latest fight between these characters, and there's no question that uh, this still isn't over.
1: Well, I want to say, I, I, I meant to say this last week with Titania. There's a couple, the, the way they've handled the character, and I want to say too, the name Titania is, is so ridiculous in the comic books. It's just, it's such a like an 80s term, right? Well, I like how they, they turn that into like, it's her, you know, her, her, her celebrity name, right? I love that idea. So I want to make that very clear. Like, I thought that was very clever because Titania just on itself, like someone calling themselves that as a supervillain, is a is super lame. But with this and the whole like Instagram, social media thing. That's I'm like, a great
0: it, point. You totally yeah. believe that this person would call themselves Titania.
1: Exactly. And it and, and, and I meant to say that last time, too, but I forgot. So I want to make sure I, I made, it, made it on that point because that was a clever way of doing it, of, of the character, like you, like you said. This version of Titania would totally call herself that because she's so self-absorbed and self-righteous, or whatever, right? So you have that. I love that. Jenna Jamil is killing it with the whole arrogance thing. Now, I also <clears throat> was thinking, well, how she got her power upgrade? I want to know how she got her powers to begin with, right? So I'm also like, it's super interesting that she's trying to prove herself in her ground with with She Hulk, like. I need to prove that I, I belong by taking you out with my power level, but she just gets her butt kicked both times. I just want to know, I, I can't wait to find out her origin in this story. And I'm, and I'm wondering if it's actually going to be more, not with Dr. Doom necessarily, but it's going to be kind of like Dr. Doom because he, in the comic books, he takes this ordinary, you know, person who's kind of angry in life and turns them into the super villain and empowers them essentially. Right. And so I'm curious which I'm gonna guess right now it's probably the leader. I'm I'm still going that that route. But it seems like that's where we're going with it. And that's where her power level is gonna get, you know, go to. It's like where maybe it's Jenna Jamil's uh titania character was this kind of meek, you know, kinda I don't know, and then and then someone grabs her and says, hey, I'll give you everything you want, like Dr. Doom kind of does basically in Secret Wars. But it's not going to be doom in this, obviously. But it'll be this character like a leader, and says, "Hey, I'll give you all this," and gives her this empowerment, it gives her mm-hmm. an upgrade. Now she'll need even a bigger upgrade to get to where she wants to get to take on Sheho to become that to get her over the top, if you will. Right? I use a, re- a wrestling reference for you, Sean, um, <laughs> for it to, for her to become that celebrity to keep pushing herself. Like she mentioned that Instagram comment, so like, "Oh God, how do, how do Instagram hey, your followers? eleven
0: yeah. followers on Instagram?" Yeah. Hey, yeah, I can relate.
1: Uh, you know, so the thing is, that's where I, I like where they're going with this character. They're building that character up to where she needs to be over the top, and and I think we're, when we see her origin, we're gonna see her have nothing to get these powers to give her that empowerment where she'll be like, you know, spending the money or devoting herself. And also, one last thing I want to add too. Um, I do. I wonder if she's gonna. We're gonna get kind of a costume with Titania. Only to say that because I like because Titania in the comics has like the Domino mask, which I love. Mask. I love Domino mask. I, I also thought it was interesting. They used that like the little glitter around her, like a Domino mask, which I thought was very clever. I'm like, okay, I see where you're going with this. Like, I again, the subtlety with the character. I thought has been really good, has been really well done. So Titania, haven't seen her a ton, but every time she's on, I freaking love her. So more Titania, please.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you will get your wish because there's, it's still not over. There's no way. I mean, I know in the, in the credits, they show that uh, Titania is there getting her veneers fixed. So not as a scene, but as the artwork that we see in the, in the main credits. But anyway, yeah, Titania was great in this one. The other thing that we got to talk about, from the wedding is uh, I mentioned before the the meeting between Jen and Josh as played by Trevor Salter and Josh seems very nice, handsome, sweet. He's everything that Jen should want, and even gets to end the wedding as we'll see later, splitting some fries. As was kind of a I guess that's the move for Jen or or whatever. But uh, oh, the last time I think the fries were to go. This time the Jen, the fries are not to go as we see her and Josh uh, splitting them at the end of the episode, I'm trying to figure out Josh's deal here, right? It's almost like a too-good-to-be-true sort of situation because we know that they're being watched at the wedding. And when Lulu interacts with Josh, she actually doesn't refer to him by name. She just says, can you help me inside? And so like, it, it doesn't even necessarily play as she knows him or anything or because half the staff quit because of how she was treating them. Like, he could just be anybody. And he introduced himself, of course, as being a friend of the groom anyway. So I don't really know what the situation is with Josh. And I don't know if he's crashing the wedding or if he's genuinely interested in Jen. That's great. But he may not be. And maybe he's there as part of this operation by intelligentsia, right? If attacking She-Hulk doesn't work, Then maybe some other way of getting close to her uh, is the approach. Now, he doesn't have the new uh, extra large syringe or needle or whatever. He doesn't have that. So maybe it will be uh, so, but I I don't, maybe it's not him. Maybe he's not involved with intelligentsia whatsoever. It just wouldn't shock me if that ended up being the result. I might actually be happier and more impressed if Josh is just Josh uh, and he actually is a dude who's just interested in Jen. Not that she needs that. She doesn't need that validation as we've been talking about throughout the episode. It would just really suck for Jennifer Walters to have to go through uh, another thing uh, with with a guy like this. So hopefully for Jen's sake, uh, just for her own peace of mind, Josh is just Josh, but it's hard not to look at him and, and, and wonder if something else is going on just because nobody else was interacting with him at the wedding. And maybe that's just the limited scope of the show that we don't care about Josh and who talks to Josh at the wedding. But anytime you have a character like that, who's introduced and they only talk to the main character and nobody else and nobody else seems to know him by name or anything like that. You do wonder where they came from.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm with you. It it, jury's still out. And I, either way at this point, I, I could go, I don't really care if he's, if he's bad or good, to be honest at this point, I'm, I'm just, but like, right. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I,
0: jury's still out. Here's what I liked about him. I liked that he was very interested in Jen just as just Jen. That was great. Sure. But then also the look on his face when he sees she Hulk, like he's just, he's just as amazed as anyone would be to see she Hulk at the same time though. Like he's not like more amazed or more delighted than he already was interacting with Jen. So the fact that he's interested in both Jennifer and she Hulk, that's cool. Um, and he didn't interact, like, the way he reacted to it definitely wasn't evil, like, oh, this is all, you know, the plan is coming to fruition, <laughs> it's all falling into place. He didn't act, you know, mustache twirling or diabolical, so maybe Josh is uh, is well intended. Uh, but anyway, yeah, overall with the wedding, uh, I thought it was, and you know, just fell into some too familiar tropes for wedding episodes and wedding movies and stuff like that, but they're tropes for a reason. They come up for a reason because these are things that do come up and are relatable subjects, so I, I totally get it. But at least they were able to carve out some in some very entertaining moments in that thanks to the performances. And also, as I said, they were driving at some of the deeper character arcs and you know themes for Jennifer Walters. And they weren't hitting on it in quite the way that other episodes have been able to do. It didn't work on all the same levels, but it was still there, and, and it still worked in, in the moments that they chose for it. Let's talk about the B story, the divorce case of Craig Hollis, Mr. Immortal versus like eight ex-spouses or whatever it is. Um, I have to say that I was wondering why I was so entertained by Mr. Immortal. And then when I saw the credits and it's David uh, Pasquese or Pasquese, he was major domo in Book of Boba Fett earlier this year. And I thought that character was super fun to not like in the Book of Boba Fett uh, Mr. Immortal, I don't know that I didn't like him. Uh, I know I'm not supposed to, and I know he's terrible in so many ways, but he was so, uh, I-, I thought he was really entertaining in this as the guy who swears he's a good guy. Um, he thinks he's been to have, he's found the most considerate way to end a marriage, and he should know. He's got more experience with marriage than anyone, than anyone ever possibly could. And his chosen method of ending a marriage is, is to fake his own death or die in the legal sense, but then not really die because, hey, Mr. Immortal isn't just a name. It's uh, who he actually is. But then we see that this is what he does to resolve to, this is his way out of any conflict. So not just a spouse, but even with his own attorneys who point out how terrible it is what he's been doing to these people, his response to that is to go ahead and jump out the window Um, That introduction to Mr. Immortal, Paul, I I thought was really great. I was wondering how you would feel about Mr. Immortal being used in this kind of offshoot, um, almost throwaway kind of way in this one episode, but I'm fine with it, and I know sometimes you're going to have that with certain Marvel characters because I want these shows to be populated with with names I recognize, characters I recognize, and so I want that to happen, and sometimes that means that some characters... Uh, are, are relegated to this level, but at, at least I thought the performance was, was really good. Yeah. Mr.
1: Immortal being part of the, I think he's part of the great lakes Avengers. Um, you can bring him back and, and see, you know, he, it was fine. I, I wasn't, it was clever. I thought I, I, it was better than the, um uh, the B story from episode three with the shape shifting thing from Asgard. Yeah. Um, that this was a much b- more fun, interesting way of, of doing it. Uh, I will say that I didn't. The 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 part the one thing I didn't like about the story was when they're like arguing with him or telling him they start yelling at him and he just jumps out the window to like avoid his lawyers. I'm like,
0: oh, I like I, that because I think it, to me it illustrated just how weak he is, right? And like this fair, guy yeah. who has this power to be immortal, never die, but he can't handle an unpleasant conversation. He can't handle any sort of conflict. Um, Like I think that's the stuff that I I think is, that's what made it work for me is like his trigger for where he would go to that. Like it's so light. It said it takes such a small amount for him to go to, okay, I'll just die then or pretend to die.
1: Well, I think the main, I think it's not the, the, the why he does it is fine. I like that. It's the, I think it's the fact that he jumps out of a window and the, but they let him come back.
0: I don't know. It, it uh, he's, been... he's still paying money. They, they're lawyers. Nah, they're, they they work fair. for hire. That's fair. that's fair. That's fair. That's fair.
1: I, I, I think it would have worked better if they were like at like a, a at a at a place where there's talking, and he just would walk out into a to a, a on, ongoing traffic, as opposed to like jumping out of a window, falling down all the way to. I don't know. It just it just seemed like it just seemed very dramatic, and it seemed very like even. Way too over the top for me at that point. I, think I, I say over the top in a very mildly way because I actually like the B story. Just that alone just kind of – it was like it just seemed very awkward and, and uh, very um, abrasive to me. Just it, that one part. I know that sounds weird. It's just, it's not – yeah. But it's fine. I, I like the rest of it though.
0: Yeah, I liked it. And I also like that when we get to the meeting with the exes, there's that question of, okay, well, how did they all – find out. And they found out through the, how do they find out that he was actually alive? And he was doing this to not just them, but several more of them. And they found, one of them found Intelligentsia, a site for hateful man babies, as Nikki describes it. And that, that's an important step for just the B story to get to do, right? Because now it introduces information that Jen and the A story doesn't have yet. Like this actually moves the B story ahead of the A story in that sense, in terms of the the B story of this episode furthering along the plot of the the overall series or the overall season uh, in a really interesting way. And I also like the way they're using intelligentsia because that is a thing from the comic books. But the way that they've introduced it in the series, I think, works very well for this series. I think it works very well as kind of a, just a modern point of reference for other things that we, we know or, of course, are, are aware of outside of the story in our actual world. So the way they introduce intel- Intelligentsia, I thought was really good. And we'll talk more about that as we go on. But as all of his exes are complaining, I, when they have their little side huddle, when they just turn their chairs around and Mr. Immortal, that delivery of like, I will never understand women, even if I live and I will and just doesn't finish it. Uh, as if it's some complicated thing that he can't fathom that they would be so upset by him faking his own death to get out of his marriages with them. Just uh, it's it's priceless. I, I loved it. Yeah. But then they decide that uh, Mallory Book played uh, wonderfully by Renee Lees Goldsberry once again I love that when like her and Nikki are kind of enjoying the fact, like, why are you smiling? Like, you're like this is kind of fun. Like you're because they know he deserves this. Like he's their client and they, they they're going to take his money and they take the job. But at the same time, they're going to do what's right. And they flat out tell him like you're going to have to pay. But then it's who gets what out of all of these exes. How do you work out what's equitable? Well, Nikki is the one that works it out. And I love that part of one of the negotiations with one of the exes is meaningful eye contact for 15 seconds. And then that becomes 20 when Mr. Immortal complains about it. And the the mantra that she has all the exes, the never again, I thought was great. And then we see Mallory Book uh, ending it with by saying, Miss Ramos, unconventional and excellent. And I thought this was a really great episode for Nikki, as played by Ginger Gonzaga, who's been so great every single week. But I love it when a series does this. And this is maybe my favorite part of the B story is it takes this supporting cast and it gives them an an interesting story that's worth telling, while at the same time, it allows you to know more about them. And we learn more about Mallory Book, that she's been married for 11 years. She has a kid. uh, She's more than just what we've known of her so far in the office. And for Nikki... She's not just the fun and funny best friend paralegal. She's actually really good at her job um, and going beyond the scope of her job in order to settle things or in order to help with this case, resolve this case in a way that maybe Mallory wouldn't have or couldn't have as the attorney, thinking about it in a more conventional way. So showing Nikki's value in that setting and how it's even more than what people initially thought, even her own coworkers like Mallory I thought was really strong. So that is what really elevated this episode for me is I I found that even if I wasn't as in love with the A story as I had been in weeks past, the B story was so much better to the point where the B story for me was just as good as the A story this week. Uh, And I I thought it was so I I just thought it was really good and I had just as much fun. It it wasn't like it didn't feel that way of, okay, when are we going to get back to to Jen and She-Hulk? I was perfectly happy to be in the conference room with Mallory and Nikki and Mr. Immortal.
1: Yeah. I I thought the B story was was overall was pretty, was pretty entertaining. And, and also you're, you're really pushing the overall narrative of what she Hulk is kind of or the things behind she Hulk with the intelligentsia and what is all that, which we'll get to in a second. And I like the fact that this is also pushing that idea and you're kind of you're 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 putting, I think, a little bit of a realism that it's going to make some people, not me obviously, uh, uncomfortable with this whole idea of calling people out of trolls and things like that. But pr- putting that through the perspective of with heroes in general, right? Not just of of She Hulk, but like people like Mister Immortal, like these people who, um, they found each other through like the, the site. Like the superpower beings in general are being targeted through this intelligentsia, and that could be, and what is that? We'll get to that in a second, but I like that. I like the fact that you're, you're doing a good job. It's a fun way of setting that up purposely as we're building towards this. And, and this is where I think the series is I, I give a lot of credit for. It's doing things in a very fun way, but it's very, it's the the pacing of the overall season of reveals have, has done a pretty good job. And I think that fact that we've gotten to this point and you've kind of built up, like there's something kind of brewing beneath Everything with like the the the, the broke ass uh, wrecking crew coming out, Jen, and not and failing. Obviously, that's part of the intelligentsia, Titania. They're all connected, and this is this is the one important part of the episode. You're bringing all that together, and I, and but you also brought that in a very fun way with Mister Immortal. So again, kudos to the writing team. I thought the B story for the most part was was good because of that reason. You're you know fun way of building up to this point. Which we'll get to that, I think is crucial. Uh, And and maybe this is where it could be a big deal for the MCU going forward, potentially.
0: Yeah, it really could be very big. And it could be a lot more than just trolls on the internet, which I, I think we already see by the end of this episode. So, Intelligentsia, Nikki and Mallory look it up later. And they create a, a profile, a login. It's, there, it's an actual application because they need to know that you are like-minded in the way that Nikki does that with their application. Like, she was gross. She was 30. Ew, I thought it was hilarious. Um, and then she and Mallory review all of this stuff and they see everybody not just hating on She-Hulk, but now actual threats, death threats to She-Hulk. And Mallory says... Don't tell Jen about this because they're just trolls and all they want is attention and that just feeds into it. You don't need to. Jennifer doesn't need that in her headspace, having to worry about these trolls. Nikki agrees in person, but then doesn't uh, on her drive home is calling. And it's hilarious how she's explaining the whole thing about intelligentsia and how oh, Mallory didn't think uh, you needed to know about this and whatever. But obviously said shouldn't tell you, but obviously I just did. Uh, I thought it was great. And I also love that it's a voicemail. I, I love so much that it's a voicemail uh, that she explains all of this as opposed to actually wait, waiting waiting, and making sure she got a hold of Jen. Speaking of voicemails, though, maybe we're going to see Hulk again. Smart Hulk, Professor Hulk, whatever you want to call him uh, in this series, because not just because it's She-Hulk and they set it up with the initial appearance, but um, we did see while Jen was at the wedding, she left a message for her cousin Bruce. So uh, we'll see him. Inevitably, that's going to come back. I would think so, anyway, unless he's so deep in space and still there that he's just not going to make it back by the end of the series, which would be an interesting development uh, for the rest of the MCU. But uh, we are introduced to Intelligentsia as this network of, uh, of hateful, hateful people. And then when we cut back to the wedding, we see Jen and Josh splitting those fries. Someone is watching, and on that same screen, we see a message that says, Is the next phase of the plan ready to go? That message being from someone with a username Hulk King. And then we're in the lab with a much bigger needle to try and get some of that She Hulk blood. So, someone, something is behind all of this, and it has a name, at least as far as an organization is concerned, with intelligentsia. And that is a name that has a lot of meaning in Marvel comic books, particularly in Hulk comic books, because Intelligentsia has been a roster of, like all rosters and all teams in Marvel comics lore and superhero lore, supervillain lore, a rotating roster of different people, but... A couple key members, M.O.D.O.K., who we know is going to be in the MCU in Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. So I don't know if that means M.O.D.O.K. is in or out as far as She-Hulk is concerned. But, um, you know, another member of Intelligentsia, at least at one point, is someone we've been talking about quite a bit. And we now know is for sure back in the MCU, at least in Captain America New World Order, Dr. Samuel Stearns, a.k.a. the leader uh, intelligent, and so there's another point in favor of the leader making an appearance. So when we know Tim Blake Nelson is going to be in the new next Captain America movie, but we've been wondering this whole time whether or not that character might make an in that actor Tim Blake Nelson as Doctor Samuel Stearns, aka the leader. Will we see that character in She Hulk Attorney at Law? This is a pretty strong sign that perhaps we will. But there's other things that we've been talking about, right? The disastrous outcome the ominous words of Bruce Banner of, well, it'd be such a bad thing if this happened, if somebody got Jennifer Walters' blood. Well, the reason why is because people are going to want to create their own Hulks. I mean, if you have a user who's calling himself Hulk King or whatever it may be, someone who wants to be a ruler of Hulks, which is definitely something the leader has wanted to be in Marvel comic books, they're going to want to create some of their own Hulks. And there are tons of gamma irradiated monsters that have made their way through Marvel comic books, but Intelligentsia was also directly involved in the creation of Red Hulk. Uh, so that is another character we've talked about is maybe, and fans have been speculating about for years of this character showing up at some point and feeling like maybe this is how we get there. As far as the comics are concerned, this is a big part of how we got there. Does that mean that that's exactly what's gonna happen in this show? Are we gonna see Red Hulk by the end of this series? I don't really know about that, um, maybe, but there's only three episodes left, and I feel like Red Hulk puts it more into Banner Hulk territory, not as much She-Hulk. So I, I think you lay the groundwork for that, maybe. I don't know. Maybe post credit scene you tease that there's been uh, a Red Hulk. And, and I know I should point out, because I'm sure some people are wondering, like, well, Thunderbolt Ross was, you know, spoiler alert, for those who haven't read the comic books and plan to, turn off the show right now. Still here too late. Um Thunderbolt Ross was Red Hulk in the comic books. And obviously, William Hurt, who played uh, General and then Secretary of State Ross, passed away. And I don't expect them to recast the character. I think if you get Red Hulk in the MCU, it's just going to be a different character uh, who would become the Red Hulk. And I don't know exactly who that would be. We'll have to wait and find out if that character should appear. But anyway, Paul. This just drives the speculation. It's fuel for all of the stuff that we've already been speculating about because all of these things are starting. it, It really looks like they are starting to line up. And one more thing I would say in favor of Dr. Samuel Stern's making an appearance in this series, especially with Intelligentsia, is it was kind of that network of intelligent minds and whatever. So I love that they use that as a website. Like that totally works. And also the very real world parallels of the types of folks who you know, hate on a series like this for very disingenuous reasons and stuff like that. Like, I, I love all of that, but from a more specific character point, how did we meet Dr. Samuel Sterns in the MCU? Mr. Blue, right? Trolling mm-hmm. around on the dark web, communicating with, Ban- with Mr. Green, Bruce Banner. This is so consistent with how we met him that this is how he operates behind the scenes, on the web, um, you know, dark web, whatever you want to call it, like it's so I love that they're consistent with how we met this character in the MCU. All of that works and also tying it into his involvement in the comic books. So the way that they have it working on that many levels, I, I couldn't love it more,
1: yeah, i it definitely feels like that the leader is, is being telegraphed. and i it's funny, I forgot the the intelligentsia I knew was a super some kind of super villain team, and, I, and I, just doing some research, I went. Oh, that's a more of a, I forgot, it's a newer thing from the Fall of Hulks uh, line yeah. that that all that stuff came from. So the intelligentsia, to me, that, yeah, the leader is, he's showing, Tim Blake Nelson is showing up in this. Like, there's no doubt about it. Now, what I think is going to be cool is, what does that mean? Because it definitely feels with the wrecking crew being introduced, you've got Titania here who needs a power upgrade. The leader is going to be, is going to be somehow using this all to gather people together and, and, and creating is creating that idea of, um, the, the super villains, right? Like, and I think that's the one thing that we haven't really gotten is how do we get an influx of super villains into the MCU without having just be a movie thing. And I think now we're getting that, I think we're getting to the facts of how are villains being created. It's through people like the leader who are just kind of like just. Are losing their minds and becoming, you know, creating chaos out of just because their conceitedness or the fact that they're having money behind it. We don't know. And I think that's what's really cool is that with, with MODOK and we know MODOK's coming and that means AIM is going to be probably taking a bigger, uh, a bigger leap because AIM's also in Iron Man 3, right? And MODOK is, AIM creates MODOK in, in Iron, you know, not in Iron Man 3, but in, in the comic books. So, I mean, there's lots of interesting things that are going to be happening here that um, they introduced with the whole intelligentsia thing. So lots of cool stuff. Um, it sounds it sounds like Titania, the Wrecking Crew, are going to be part of that. Um, and again, using the, the whole dark web idea is super interesting. So, and to be honest, Sean, I think this kind of uh, fuels my my kind of my my prediction of where I think the overall MC is going after the multiverse saga, a little bit with the leader. And the fact that the intelligentsia is now has been established, and what that could mean for Baron Zemo later on. If you guys are wondering what I, I'm talking about, Patreon shows on there, go check that out. Um, I go really deep in that. So, yeah, there's lots of cool stuff here. I, I can't wait because I don't think it's going to be a one for one for the comic books, but I do think, like, like Red Ghost, we're not getting Red Ghost. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. The Mad Thinker, we could be getting the Mad Thinker. Um, Cause he is a foil for not just the Hulk, but the fantastic four. So there's a, he, and he's an interesting character and he's, he's someone that you could just put in But is it's a great actor, just waiting to play them, you know, in my opinion. So that's a great role. And I can't wait to see what happens there. I think the mad thinkers come in at some point, not maybe in the series, but in the MCU, um, obviously the leader MODOK, uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, this is really exciting to see. It's obviously, to me, the leader. But I think we're going to get Titania and the Wrecking Crew getting power upgrades soon. So I'm super excited to see how that all works out.
0: I agree. I think that's your phase one for the leader and in Intelligentsia after they acquire some She-Hulk blood because you can't tease the bad thing. Like, if it'd be so terrible if this bad thing happens. It has to happen at some point, right? To see uh, that's part of it. And I think that's where you look at something like episode 7 out of 9 next week is where things could really start to go badly and uh, maybe that big needle actually works and they're able to get some of Jennifer Walters' different in a better way blood and use that to upgrade the wrecking crew titania as they work toward other gamma other gamma radiated monsters who uh, could be could be out there for them so it's very interesting to see where uh, where all of this is going. I thought this was a solid episode, maybe not as... Uh, didn't delight me in all the ways that previous episodes did, but I still really like this one. And again, I thought that B story was really strong and is uh, certainly has the potential to move the story forward in very exciting ways as we work toward our, our last three episodes of this season slash series or whatever is going to be. I'm guessing there will probably be multiple seasons of this. So uh, another... Another strong episode for She-Hulk Attorney at Law, and as Paul mentioned moments ago, we talk more about MCU topics over on Fanshow Plus, uh, so make sure you are checking that out. We had our D23 Expo deep dive where Paul talked about some of those things for the leader and Zemo and other and Dr. Doom and other things coming up. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we're also going to be talking about writers for Fantastic Four and Avengers the Kang Dynasty. So check those out, patreon.com slash Sean Gerber. And you can also find it on Apple Podcasts. Just search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus over there and you'll be able to find it and uh, and subscribe and then follow us in those places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter. Paul, where can they find you?
1: can find me on Twitter at Herman 22 with two Ns, AKA P thug, please go over to my YouTube channel, the comic binge and subscribe and check out some awesome videos we have there. At least I think they're awesome. Uh, we did again. We had a Daredevil, She-Hulk episode a couple weeks ago, and it's up there to go listen to and watch or watch whatever whatever you prefer. And just recently, we had a, a Man of Steel comic book uh, masterpiece conversation about the f- uh, very famous and, and very good uh, John Byrne Man of Steel miniseries that we introduced uh, that was introduced back after post Infinite Crisis. So if you want to know what the hell we're talking about, go watch the episodes. A lot of fun, um, and yeah, lots of great content coming up here. Lots of we have a crazy uh, Halloween themed uh, month next month. So we got ranges from He-Man, Sean to independent comic books to Spider-Man, the short Halloween. So nice. It's going to be. And also my wife will be premiering uh, on the on the show for the first time next month. If all things go well, her and her podcasting partner are going to show up and we're going to talk about Alan Moore's from hell so uh very very excited to talk about that so yeah check that out lots of good stuff on the comic bench
0: very cool and you can follow me on twitter and instagram at mr sean gerber so for paul i am sean thanks for listening we'll see you next time